We'll be in Genesis 7, so get your Bibles out, iPhones, scrolls, whatever it is you're comfortable using. Uh, never trust a preacher, ever. Always trust the Word of God. Crockett, are you in the room? Will you say amen to that? And don't ever trust a preacher. Trust the Word of God. Two things I need to tell you. It is uh, decision weekend. This is the weekend that we would normally go and do baptisms at the beach. We did have some yesterday and some today at the beach. Uh, but I'm not going to the beach until it gets much warmer. Um, but you saw we do have a baptistry here. And if you've not accepted Jesus or you have accepted Jesus but you've not been baptized yet, we encourage you to get that done today, this weekend. If you're online, come in tomorrow. We'll do it privately. We'll do it publicly, whatever you want to do. There'll be counselors down front afterwards and... and uh, Hit the button online, I've decided they'll help you. The second issue is this. I told you that last week we were working on something, I'd bring it to you this week. So the earthquakes in Turkey and Syria have affected literally hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people. A lot of them are our brothers and sisters. In fact, a lot of the churches that are in the middle of it are the ones bringing the hope, not only physical needs, but bringing the gospel of Jesus to an area Western Turkey and Syria are not places you can openly preach the gospel. But right now, we can because we're there with food and clothes. And there's a group that we're partnering with. I won't say it here. It's it's online. If you want to give online, you can go to our highlighted mission. But we had a family in our church that has committed $100,000 to this project and said they will match up to $100,000, dollar for dollar, whatever the rest of the church does. So if some, someone here would like to match the $100,000, we'll have a $200,000 match. Should I ask for hands? <laughs> oh, all right. So out in the lobby, uh, out at guest services, and somebody said, well, how long do we have? And the answer is just, there'll be people needing help forever. Uh, but we're hoping that uh, we're going to send the first 100000 within the month. And then as soon as we get the second $100,000, we will send that. And the group that we're working with, it is all about... I mean, we will meet blankets and clothes and shelter, uh, but it's also Jesus in the church and giving away Bibles. Where It's all of the above, and that's why we chose this particular group, and we're blessed to have a family that said, you know what, we're going we're gonna to go out in front on this. So there's, there's what I got to say. All right, so if you got your Bibles open, we are going we, we to, I told you we'd spend four weeks with Noah, because there is no greater story in the Old Testament and second, probably only to the crucifixion in the whole Bible, it's given four chapters. It's the most attacked uh, story in the Old Testament because if it's true, God is a gracious God who saves people who trust him. And he's a God who brings judgment on sinners. Okay, And that's what people don't want to hear. And they bring out all these stories about you know, the ark's not big enough. They couldn't have done this. They couldn't have done that. Uh, how many of you have been to the ark encounter? Up, all right. You should go. If you, if you, you want a cool vacation, go up to the ark encounter. I don't get any money for this. It's just south of Cincinnati. Uh, you have to go to Kentucky to go to it. I'm sorry about that, but, uh, I'm sorry, but, uh, it, it really is amazing when you see the size of of this thing. In fact, let, let me. I, somebody told me this backstage. I just, I gotta say it. Um, do you know what the most dangerous job in America is this weekend? I mean, it's the Daytona 500. So you're thinking it's probably the drivers. 
No, it's the guy driving the blimp. Just think about him up in that balloon. All right, give that a little bit of thought. <laughs> Somebody told me I couldn't, I couldn't hold that in. Sorry. Um, but I want to tell you, I want to start with a story. Um, my dad did not like to fly. My dad died in May. And uh, he only flew once in his life. And that was compliments of the United States Army who flew him to Korea. And he took a ship back to San Francisco and then hitch, hitchhiked his way back to Missouri. Um, but he hated planes, wouldn't fly. I begged him to fly. He wouldn't fly. I said, Dad, they don't strap you to the side of bulkheads anymore. They give you seats. They're not much bigger than what you had, but they, they do give you seats. And and no, no, no. But even my mother, and she's watching this. Mom doesn't know this story, so mom, pay attention. Um, about a year before my dad died, he called me and he said, Joe, I want to go to Iraq. And I'm like, Iraq? I said, why in the world? And this is how our phone calls always went, all right? He would, I would call him Pop, and he called me Man. That was just our deal. How you doing, Pop? I'm good. How are you, man? That was, never called me Joe, ever. That was just, I don't know. So I said, all right, Dad. I said, I don't know why you want to go to Iraq, but we'll go to Iraq. So we go over. I showed him some of Abraham's ruins, the house that's there, and some of the other stuff. And we got ready to leave. And I've got my backpack, and I look over, and my dad has nothing. And I said, hey, I said, grab your bag, Dad. <laughs> Listen, if nothing else, my mother gets to enjoy the story because she had no idea where the story was going either. So it's all right. It's all right. All right, Genesis 7. You want me to go back to the blimp story? Was that better? We can go back to that one. We can go back and start there. All right, so it's time to go. Um, again, it's so funny because people say, well, you couldn't have gotten two of every animal. I'm going to show you there was a whole lot more animals on the boat than that. Um, because you don't take large animals, you take small animals, because the reason we're taking the animals is to reproduce after the flood. Uh, you don't have to take fish. Uh, you don't have to take a whole lot of things. And you only have to take kinds. God's very clear about that. Um, there weren't like 5,000 dogs. There was two wolves. Okay, so uh, because they all come from the same DNA line. And then one of my favorite arguments against the flood is they say Noah's boat couldn't have been real because there was no way for Noah to steer the boat. There was no rudder. Let me ask you this question. Where was Noah going? But you hear the most ridiculous things when people are trying to disprove this story. But Jesus talks about Noah. Peter talks about Noah. All of the prophets, all these stories. In fact, he's mentioned with another group. It says that there are, there's an elite group of people, Noah and Daniel and Job. It says in one, in, in, two places in Ezekiel that if those three men were in this town, the town is so evil that only the three of them would be saved. You want to know how special Noah was? You want to know if the prophets believed in Noah? Did Jesus believe in Noah? Did the apostles believe in Noah? Yeah. Stand with me. John, Genesis 7. Last week we talked about that last verse, how, how that... The amazing thing is that Noah did everything God commanded him to do. We're going to hit that again. So here we go. 
The Lord then said to Noah, 120 years, we know that from Peter, for 120 years, all of his pagan friends helped him build. They didn't believe, they're sinners, but they helped him build the boat, and he's preaching to them. Then the Lord said to Noah, it's time to go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven of every kind of clean animal. Now hold on here. People, well, you couldn't have gotten two of every animal, incorrect, of the, of the clean animals. Because the clean animals are going to be used for sacrifice and they're going to be used for food. Okay? So there aren't two of every animal. Of all the clean animals, how many, who, how many are there? No. Seven pair would be 14. In fact, if you read it in Hebrew, it is very specific. This messes up our generation. It says there are seven of every kind, both male and female. This is a stupid English translation because they didn't think they'd have to put the word female. So they used the word mate, but male and female. All right, so we got 14, two of every kind of unclean animals. So yes, there's two rhinoceroses, there's two elephants, but there's 14 sheep, there's 14 ducks. That gives you an idea. A male and the female. And also seven of every kind of bird. Male and... Yes, yeah, because see, if there's seven, it's not going to work out. You need 14. All right. To keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now, God said, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I've made. And Noah, here it is again. He did all that the Lord commanded him. For 40 days, the flood, the flood kept coming on the earth. And as the waters increased, they lifted the ark high above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. You can be seated. Now, I was sitting in my office this afternoon. I don't know how many times I've preached this. I couldn't even begin to tell you, but I, I'm like, I'm missing something. I'm missing something. And so I just kept playing it. And Ron Pulowski, uh, one of our elders, was in the office, and he walks in, and I just got, I got Genesis 7 just repeating and I'm just listening. And I'm like, what am I missing? What am I missing? And this whole seven days just kept popping out at me. All right? So God waits, according to Peter, 120 years. Probably how long it take to build the boat. All right? If you, if you look at the size, you can, you're welcome to Google it. If you don't want to go to Kentucky right now, you can Google uh, that ark, ark encounter. And you can see how big it is. It's, a, it's the size of this room. It's massive. It's got three decks. It's, it's, an, incredible, it's an incredible deal. Um, so after Noah has spent 120 years building it and he's been preaching to everybody, God says, Noah, it's going to rain. And it's going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights and everything's going to be wiped out. Get on the boat, Noah, and take the animals. So where'd the animals come from? God brought them. All right. Now think about it. Wherever you're at, let's, I don't know, let's take St. Louis since that's close to where God lives. We'll take St. Louis. And all of a sudden, every animal on earth shows up. 14 of them. 
and then two elephants. And then we've got the giant boat, and God says, okay, it's time. So Noah and his family get on. The cages are all built, and all, all the animals come on the boat. And God waits seven days. Why? Why? There's only one reason. As I listen to it over and over and over again, because God did not want those people to go to hell. Even after 120 years. Now, remember, they had 1,600 years before this to sin. And God's waited. But for 120 years, Noah has told them over and over and over again what's coming and why he's building the boat. And can you imagine Noah on the boat? Because now Noah's on top. He's whatever he is, 50 feet high, 75 feet high, I don't know. He's standing up there. He's still preaching. The people could have still been saved. Oh, God's so horrible that he would wipe out the earth. God waited 120 years. And then even after the whole show is over, the zoo is loaded. Everything is ready to go. And remember, God shut the door. God shut the door. Noah couldn't lift it. God shut it. God still gave seven days. Because he's a gracious God. That's the story of the cross, isn't it? That's the story for all of us to think about. And the reason Jesus hasn't come back yet is because some of you still haven't said yes. Some of you are watching online. And you think it's great. You love the animals outside. You think the ramp is cool. You think the construction's amazing. You think the whole idea of Jesus sounds cool. But you've never accepted Jesus. You've never gotten on the boat. And some of you have been in church your whole life. Some of you are brand new. But it doesn't matter. There comes a time when you've got to decide, am I going to get on the boat or not? God said, no, it's time. And Noah kept preaching. Now listen, I know it's tough. You're saying, I've invited all these people, and in all these years I've gotten three people to come. Only one person's gotten saved. Or, well, you know what? Noah, 120 years and seven weeks and got none. So don't feel bad. And how did God evaluate Noah? As one of the most righteous men in the top three that ever lived. Of the top three. That's pretty amazing. And yet not one person listened to him. Because it's never about the outcome, it's about our obedience. That's the story. And what's amazing is people never think the tragedy is going to come. Yes, I'm, I've been giving people a hard time because I'm flying to Egypt and, I, and I've got all kinds of airplane jokes that, that I love to share. How, you know, how many times does an airplane crash? Just once. Um, they actually did a study. This is true. They did a study. A university spent government money and they did a study to find out where the safest seats are on an airplane. All right, so they intentionally flew a 707 into a mountain, had all these monitors on the plane, and here is what they found out. Are you, you want to write this down? If a plane crashes into a mountain, if if anybody lives, the person closest to the door is most likely to get out. That's, that's, that's the first thing they observed. And, now, and this is the honest truth. The second thing in the report, you want to be in the last row 
because a plane never backs into a mountain. <laughs> Honest truth. And you paid for that. You paid for that study. Um, but anyway, it's like we think that's never going to happen. Do you realize people die every day? Sick people die. Well people die. People in Turkey and Syria, they had no plans to die in last week, but they did by the thousands. People die every day that had no, no thought about it. In fact, yes, I've buried 100-year-old people, but most of the people I bury are under 40. It's just the truth. You never know. No, nobody knows when that's going to happen. But the people in Noah's day acted as if it was never going to happen. All right? And Jesus said, again, pay attention to Jesus. Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be at the coming, the second coming of the Son of Man. When the culture gets totally corrupt and out of control and full of sexual perversion, he said, you know that the coming is close at hand. Does that speak to anybody? There comes a time to get on the boat and do everything you can to help get your friends on the boat with you. Acts 2.40. I love this because some, the some theology doesn't allow for this. They said, well, God decides. God decides who's going to go to heaven and hell. Okay. Yes, he does. I don't argue with that. However, listen to Peter's words. Peter's finishing his great sermon in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. He tells them all about Jesus again, which they know all about. Tells them all about the cross. And then when he gets finished, it says, Peter pleaded with them, begged the people, save yourself from this corrupt generation. How am I going to save myself? I thought Jesus did it all on the cross. Jesus said, it is finished. Ah, but there is a part that I play. What is my part? Accepting it. Accepting it. The people that say, well, there's nothing you can do about it. You're going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. No, you get to choose. Jesus chose you. He died on the cross, paid the price for every human being. You and I have to choose. Everybody could have got on the boat. They chose not to. And this is what we miss. Because in the children's Bible, you know, you got Noah on the boat, you know, and the giraffes are out there and he's having fun. And, um... Noah's standing on the deck, and it's all of his aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and his friends. He's watching them all die. He's watching them all die. And he knows they're all going to hell. It's, there, there was no fun about it. It was a difficult time. And that's why Noah had pleaded so hard for people to say yes to God. And it's why we try so hard. It's why our mission statement is that we exist to make it hard for people to go to hell from our generation. Because whether it's in Syria or whether it's in Turkey or whether it's here or New Smyrna or whatever we're talking about, our goal is always the same. It's to help people find Jesus. That's our, that's our only purpose. But people have to choose to get on the boat. And then you go a little bit further in this, in this story... And there's the idea of taking care of business. Now, I like this because Noah said it's time, seven more days. But Noah, you and your family, go ahead and get on the boat. Well, what does that mean? It does mean, all right, I'm not minimizing that there's a whole zoo here. There are a lot of animals. 
And somebody's got to take care of them. So there's a lot of work involved for Noah and his family. There's eight of them on the boat. And they got to cover three decks and there's a whole lot of animals. And do I think some of them were hibernating? Probably some of them are not. But there's, there's a lot of animals, which translates to a lot of food, which translates to a lot of other stuff that has to be dealt with. And the work had to get done. And for a lot of Christians, they're like, well, I'm a Christian, that's it, I'm good. Let's have a potluck dinner and we'll all go home. No, we have a job to do. Who's going to share the gospel with the people next door or in Vanel with our new church plant? Who's going, who's going to reach out to your neighbor or your coworker? Who's going to do that? Listen, don't worry about it. Noah, everybody turned him down. So if you get one, you're better than Noah. You got to feel good about yourself. Just go tell the story and let God take care of the details. But there is a job that we've been given to do. Listen, if your job was done, do you believe you'd be out of here? Yes, I do. When my job is done, whatever God has for me to do, when it when I'm done, I'll be out of here. When the church's job is done, we'll all be out of here. Jesus said, when the when the whole world hears. Then it's over. So we can sit back and have eat pie, or we can go be the church that we're supposed to be and take care of business. At serving and giving and praying and being a part of the answer to other people, filling up these seats so that people can find Jesus. Uh, Proverbs says it this way. Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will serve before kings. He will not serve before obscure men. God's got a plan for your life, and what, regardless of what it is, it's not menial. You're like, well, this is my gift. What do I do? Well, we need you to teach. We need you to, we need you to sing. We need you to be a part of this. We need you to be a greeter. We need people in the parking. All of those, all of those ministries make a difference. We need everybody to be inviting. That's part of the work that has to be done. Now, are you working to be saved? No. Jesus said, it's finished. You accept Jesus, you repent of your sins, you're baptized, your end is finished. Now you know you're saved. So are you going to stand on the boat and say, good luck guys, you guys are all going to hell. Or are you going to say, I beg you to come get on the boat with me. You got to decide. Hebrews eleven sixteen says it this way. Instead, they were longing for a better country. This is talking about Moses. <laughs> Moses chose to give up. He, would have been, he was going to be Pharaoh of the most powerful country ever. Let me give you perspective. Egypt, Egypt, had, Egypt was the United States of America for 3,000 years. Think about that. They were the world power for 3,000 years. Moses is in the middle of that, and he would have been Pharaoh. He was next in line to be Pharaoh. And it said instead, he was longing for a better country, a heavenly one. He already lives in gold. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. What a great verse. What a great verse. It's amazing what gets done if we start. I love this story. This is an Indian guy behind me. For centuries, his people, his tribe would walk around a mountain or over a mountain to get to buy food. 
And this guy decided that that was crazy. So he took a hammer and a chisel. And he started beating on a rock. And he did it every day for 22 years. And after 22 years, he cut a hole in a mountain by himself where his tribe can now walk through the mountain, get food, and come back. See, we want the mountain just to move. And sometimes God said, you know, we've got a bunch of animals here we've got to take care of. Sometimes God says, hey, we've got a bunch of children we need to take care of. Hey, we've got a mess in Asia that we've got to take care of. That's where the church comes in. Well, I, can, I don't have 100,000. No, do you have a dollar? You got 10? Because when we throw it all together, it's amazing what God does if we'll just pick up the hammer and do something. And when I speak at churches, more than anything, this is my line. I will tell them, I'll say, the only thing God cannot bless, you can write this down, is nothing. Because you don't give him anything to work with. Start a food pantry. Start an outreach. Go pray with somebody. But if you just show up to church and go home, there's nothing that God can do with that. And that's why church, literally 5,000 churches a week close in the United States. Or maybe it's seven. It's a crazy number. It's a crazy number. Because God can't bless nothing in a church nor in your life. If you don't do something He's got no way to bless you. You got to do what he told you to do. Here it is again. Twice this phrase has been used about Noah. He did everything God commanded him to do. Now was Noah saved because of that? No. Noah was saved because he was a righteous man. But because he was a righteous man, what did he do? He built a boat. So what's God asking you to do? But then the best part of the story, and maybe this is the part some of you, you're already believers. God lifted the, lifted the boat up. Jesus said this in John 3. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. I find that verse fascinating. All men. God, what about what's going on in the world? You know, 53 countries in the world, you can't even use the name of Jesus. But he said, I'll draw all men. If you just lift me up. He was talking about the cross. About him dying on the cross. But he's talking about us lifting him up. Not lifting up church or religion. But talking about Jesus and the one who would actually save us. Psalm 24 is one of the greatest. It's a great song. But what an incredible passage David wrote. He says, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. And who is this king of glory? Oh, the Lord Almighty. He is the king of glory. See, God lifted that boat up. It tells us in the next couple of chapters how many feet the water rose above the highest mountains. Now, what's interesting is, uh, again, all kinds of crazy stuff from atheists. Uh, there, on the very top of Everest, there are seashells. The, uh, an, an elementary Google will get you that. Um, on top of Mount Ararat, which is 14.5, where the, where the ark actually landed... 
14,550, I think. Um, there's all kinds of seashells of all kinds of animals. Now, the evolutionists say, well, when the, you know, when the earth came together and it pushed up and, and so it was all under the water at one point. No, uh, because you've got a real problem with fossils. See, if you, we'll just pick on you if you have a horse. If you have a horse and your horse dies out in the field tonight, is it going to become a fossil? No. It's going to get eaten. Everything. It's got all the, everything will eventually get eaten. Even the leather, it'll, the, the bugs will get it. The bones will get eaten up. You will not have a fossilized horse. It won't happen. Fossils happen when everything is buried very quickly. They're alive mud, the right sediment, everything has to happen at just the right time. This was not the bottom of the ocean. This was the bottom of a flood. And feel free to check it out. Seashells all over Everest, all over Ararat, all over the Rocky Mountains. It's not, this is easy stuff if you really want to know the truth. I want to tell you a story and then I'll finish with a quote. I love how God works. Uh, you know I'm a Chiefs fan. was very pleased with the outcome of the Super Bowl. Um, not rubbing it in. Well, maybe. Um, <clears throat> but Harrison Butker is the story. Harrison Butker was the star all season besides the quarterback. But this kicker is absolutely incredible. This kid doesn't miss from Georgia Tech. Little country boy from Georgia. And in the, the first quarter, he, he missed. He hit, he hit the upright. Never misses. And it looks like they're going to lose. All through the first half, second half, into the fourth quarter, they're going to lose by three points. And you're just heartbroken for this kid. But then they choose to run the clock out down to three seconds believing in this kid. The kid walks on with three seconds left and kicks the winning field goal. Now, let me tell you, because I love to make fun of sports reporters. Had he not gotten that last chance, some reporter would have stuck a microphone in his face and said, Harrison, how does it feel that your team lost the Super Bowl because you hit the uprights? And he's going to say, oh, it felt great. But because he got a second chance... Nobody will ever remember the fact that Harrison Butker missed the first one. Harrison didn't go to bed that night thinking I missed it. He said, I nailed the last one. How many of you blew it in the first quarter? Second? Third? How far do I need to go? <laughs> yeah, keep going, keep going. Last 30 seconds? Yeah, yeah, okay. Guys, Jesus is the God of second chances. It's the whole point of the cross. It's the whole point of the ark. It's the whole point of the seven days. It's the whole point of, of the whole Bible. He's the God of second chances. I'll finish with this letter. I think Noah could have written it. I think Jesus could have written it. He said, when you finally realize that all those Christians that you spent most of your life with accusing them of being hateful were actually your true friends and all the people that you thought were your friends were actually loving you to hell. Father, I pray that whatever needs to be done tonight, that you'll get a hold of people. There are people watching they're online. There's people here in this room that need to get on the boat. They've been looking at the animals long enough. It's high time. They accept you. They repent of their sins. They get baptized. They've changed their lives. 
Others are on the boat, but they've been happily waving at everybody going to hell. It's time we start talking and inviting. Start doing. Start taking care of some of the animals. Others, defeated, depressed, need to know that you're a God who still lifts us up in the midst of the worst storms of our life. So Holy Spirit, whatever you need to do, you bring it home in each life. In Jesus' name, amen.